Hi, welcome to the theory of the Postdoc Evolution Podcast. I'm Alice from the Postdoctoral Development Center at Queen's University, Belfast. In this 18th episode, which was recorded in June 2021, Dr. Vijay Tiwari, reader in the Welcome Watson Institute for Experimental Medicine, talks to postdoc Claire Tonry about his strategy to achieve an impactful academic career. Enjoy! Okay, thanks Elise. This month is the turn of the Welcome Wilson Institute of um, Experimental Medicine to host speakers for the Career Insight Seminar Series. So so we have Vijay who did his PhD at Uppsala University and then moved on to do his first postdoc at the John Hopkins University School of Medicine. Um, he then moved back to, towards Germany and he did his another postdoc in the Frederick Meister Institute for Biomedical Research. Um, and then became a group leader at the Institute of Molecular Biology. He has been here at Queen's in the Welcome Wilson Institute as a reader for the last three years. Um, so if I've introduced correctly, I'll, let, I'll hand over to Vijay. Thank you, Claire. And it's really a pleasure to be invited to, to tell something about your scientific life with our own postdocs. This is a unique occasion and I'm happy to be here today. So, a brief uh, history about my, my academic career. So, I was born in India many years ago um, along the India-Nepal uh, border near Himalayas. I uh, did my early education and I had a chance to do uh, part of my master's thesis um, in epigenetics um, in Singapore. Subsequently, I moved to do my PhD. I flew to Stockholm, uh, studied in Uppsala. Uh, in developmental biology and then subsequently I went to Johns Hopkins University in the States uh, in Baltimore to do my first postdoc in cancer epigenetics. Thereafter I relocated to Switzerland uh, at the Friedrich Machine Institute in Basel uh, to do a postdoc in developmental epigenetics and then I moved uh, three hours by train in Germany to start my own lab at the Institute of Molecular Biology in Developmental Epigenetics and some of the cancer biology. Um, in 2018, I moved to Queens uh, as a reader in epigenetics. So this is my history, 25 years in six countries. Many of them are leading universities. Um, and I have feel like I have become a citizen of the world. That's my uh, CV of, of listing some accomplishments. Um, uh, so from the very beginning, I had chance to work with several pioneers in the field, including Rolf Olson, Bailin, Schubler. These are very known people in my field. Um, I had chance to publish top papers through my PhD in my postdocs and as a team leader. And that also accompanied receiving several awards, um, recognitions that are very measureful for my, for my field of interest. My current duties at Queen's uh, rotate around three pillars. One is research, uh, second administration, and third is teaching. Research mainly is supervision of PhD students and postdocs, then discussion with internal external collaborators, um, facilitating grant writing to obtain funding and sustain research, preparing manuscripts for publications. This is mostly around majority of our daily activity. In addition, we are members of several center school or university committees and initiatives. Uh, there are at least two or three committees, committee meetings in a week. One actually just finished a few minutes ago. 
Uh, and this is part of our administrative or, or service tasks that we all uh, need to engage in. And obviously, since we are a university, teaching constitutes an important part of responsibility. So we do teach a number of bachelor's, master's and medical degree students. And this responsibility includes lecturing, uh, showing them practicals, marking, and evolution of the course with the contents. So these three activities probably constitute 90% of our time uh, as an academic um, and currently in Queens. And this is no different if you would go to any other university within UK or across uh, Europe. Um, there are a few things I would like to highlight that made a major impact on my own career uh, and that kept me um, going on. So during university degree, I had chance to uh, be taught by a number of very good lecturers. Um, three of them are Professor Lakotia, Professor Raman, Professor Chaturvedi in the fields of developmental biology, genetics and epigenetics. These people were so stimulating that instead of following another career, I had no other choice. I actually had developed so much fire uh, to, to study deeply, to think about my research areas, to pursue a research career. So I think having good lectures at the early education level also is, is very, very necessary and hence the value of good universities popping. Second thing that um, met a lot, um, meant a lot to me during my career was my postdoctoral mentors, Dirk Schubler uh, and Steve Bailin. Both of them are globally known to the extent uh, that, for example, Steve Bailin is the most cited researcher in epigenetics in this entire world. And Dirk Schubler is a European leader in genomics. So first nations in sequencing, first DNA methylation maps, first replication maps, this all came from his lab. Um, both of them are currently leading independent labs. Steve Bellin, he is close to 80, but he still runs a full lab in the US at Johns Hopkins. He's a deputy director of the Cancer Center. While Dirk Schubler, he's currently director of Printing Machine Institute and is a very successful person. And in, during these in encounters with my mentors, um, I had chance to learn so many things as a postdoc. Um, they would help me set my goals. Um, every week we have meetings to discuss the directions, make strategies, timelines. When I'm low, they motivate me. They advise me what is wrong or right. Be positively critical about it. And eventually they facilitated my transition to a successful independent academic career. What I am today is majority because of them. And I will keep saying this until I retire myself. Because this period was so critical to have the right mentors, and I was lucky to have two in my career. Third thing that I mattered more in my own academic growth was being in the top quality institutions. So, Freddie Messer Institute um, is the number two rated institute for postdocs ranking. So, this place has very good career development programs, um, high number of placements, top researchers. Um, very uh, heavily funded in a cutting-edge environment. Johns Hopkins Medicine, as you know, is the largest clinical research university in the U.S. And IMB, which was recently founded as a cutting-edge epigenetics and molecular biology institute. So being there uh, has several advantages. So you are exposed to top quality, internationally competitive research. You do not tend to do mediocre science. You are surrounded by very driven colleagues because they all are passionate and they are all working for something for the top level. 
Since there are cutting edge colleagues, you have possibility to learn new cutting edge concepts and techniques every day. And these institutions tend to be enriched for very driven and international community who have left home for making careers. So the sole purpose they have come there is actually to evolve their CV. So I found exposure in such an environment um, has also paved a lot of way in my own scientific growth or career growth. Fourth thing um, I felt was also useful in my personal CV was mobility. And these mobilities are at different level. You know, you could you could move within the country, you could move to a different country, different continents, and there are many possibilities. You do not necessarily have to always move for a postdoc or PhD. You could go for an internship experience, you can go for a sabbatical, you can go for a temporary fellowship post, you can go for a summer school, for a lab visit, for a conference, for a course, but you must move. I understand it's very cozy to do bachelor's, master's, PhD, postdoc, all from the same university or region with no geographical movement while being close to your loved ones and family. But I think it seriously hampers us from obtaining many new learnings and experiences that are not only important for rewarding academic career or any other career, it makes us a better human. Once you become a global citizen, you have experienced different cultures or different types of working environments. You obviously have a very different appreciation of what goes around you. And you also have a different approach of handling things differently. So I seriously encourage mobility in some form. And obviously in all these endeavors, your parents, your family, your partners have to be very supportive of this. Otherwise it becomes challenging as well. Fifth thing uh, that mattered a lot, uh, I will briefly come to, but if you think about a high impact research career, uh, it often appears like a roller coaster. There are days when you feel good, you are about to obtain something cool, then there are bad days where you drop out of, uh, of uh, research uh, profile, you feel something is not working. There are some days you are lost, I have no idea what's going on. Then you have some drop days that you don't understand. Uh, am I going back a step? I feel like I'm, go I'm going back to where I started. But then there are positive days when you feel I'm making progress. Hmm, I feel good today. It seems like in the right direction. You have a drop again and you go to the right way that you feel things will get better. So this is how a high impact research care is in reality. It's not a smooth path. Hmm? And you have to be ready for this roller coaster. This is exactly how it is. There are days when I feel excited, there are feel when I feel stressed. But as long as you have a passion for your profession, you like what you are doing, this ride is a fun. Indeed is a fun because you know there will be days when you have excitement, you will go up. What keeps me going in this whole process of roller coaster is is I have to quote this, this quote from Tony Robbins. If you talk about it, it's a dream. If you envision it, it's possible. But if you really plan it well, it's going to happen. It's going to be real. So this is why goal setting is very important. If you change your goals every week, you have some serious problem. It may be rewarding at some occasions, but it's usually better to plan things long term and keep evaluating them with critical milestones in, in your career.
for example am i developing good enough in my independence am i able to write my papers am i able to present myself in a decent conference have i learned to write a proposal am i able to defend a logical idea these are all milestones if you want to adopt an academic careers but you need to set these milestones and keep checking these boxes yourself because in the end you are responsible for your career mentors can guide you mentors can provide you path but they cannot babysit you you have to be on the driving seat and it's important uh, that you have to have passion for your work and be ambitious and being organized everybody has the same 24 hours if you plan your calendar well you can get more things out of it and no challenge is too big as your determination to succeed you will overcome hurdles as they come on the way thanks so much vijay that was a great talk um so just to start off you've an amazingly impressive cv as <laughs> were you always very mindful of creating that cv yourself you know you've you said that you have to drive your own career is that how you've been since since your phd days um for example like when you selected your first postdoc were you very selective in in where you went or was it just depending on what opportunities came up so uh, so i think at the phd time i wasn't very clear whether i will go for a for a, a rewarding academic career but as my phd progressed i was more clear to me that i like this way of doing things i like to have ideas i like to test them and i like the discovery part so that part was very clear and since thankfully i had a good phd i had opportunity to select good last my postdoc mm. so i applied to three postdoc places at the time very selectively um who were doing research in the area i really wanted to progress out of those three i got interviews in two one in san francisco one in baltimore and i chose baltimore after meeting both of them just because of personal chemistry and the research environment so and then those those that that developing passion i had during my phd that got fuel when i met my first post doctor mentor that's the right thing comes together that's what happens i had that fuel and my mentor had that energy to foster that so that develops into something big and then it's just worked together and then it was obvious from year 1 of my postdoc that i i am going to make a, a high impact career um as as good as possible um and then do you have any advice so if you you know you're you've obviously got a lot of publications in your phd and stuff so some postdocs are kind of starting out without those publications behind them is there a way to, i mean to kind of almost compensate for that are there other things that you can be doing you know while you're waiting on that publication to kind of boost your status as a as a researcher if you're trying to reach out for postdocs sure so i two things to say here one thing is the phd in uk puts many people in in jeopardy compared to the rest of the europe uh, because the phd is shorter here generally and you are also eligible to do it after bachelor's majority of phd students postdocs i had in germany or in switzerland they would come with masters phd that's four plus one one year five years so so usually had more publications right so they put themselves in advantage compared to british phd's and that's dangerous then i mean you can't change the system i have discussed this at the university level this is a whole uk problem then once you can't change it there's other opportunity 
For example, um, I give example of my own postdoctoral mentor, uh, Dirk Schubler, who is one of the most famous scientists at the at the global level. His PhD was not so successful. He did in a very small university in Braunschweig in Germany, and he had a, a biochemistry. It's like seven impact factor paper. But he knew he wanted to make a postdoc in a high impact lab, and he he was conceptually very strong. So what he started doing instead of starting postdoc in a mediocre lab he actually decided to visit as many meetings as possible organized nearby his university So in one of such meetings in Germany he met a very supreme professor his name is uh, Mark Grudin in Seattle he presented his poster as a PhD student in fourth year of PhD and he also talked about his conceptual advances what he knows about the field and that person was very impressed this person said uh, i'm looking for postdoc i know i'm not your level is it possible to have a 3 months internship opportunity in your lab to show my talent he said yes come over and that changed his life dirk schubler who had one seven impact paper in his phd had then in his lab in 3 years two nature genetics first author one genes and development first author leading the way for for developing a scientist that world has seen before that's a great example so the nutshell is that basically if you are driven to do that opportunities will come you have to find it it doesn't mean that if you had an average phd you have no academic career that's one way option 2 for example is you can do another you can do two postdocs i have done for different regions because i wanted to train in two different subjects computational biology genomics and 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 molecular biology but you could step one take a step one go to a serious lab where you can publish couple of good papers within the first two years of postdoc building upon that go to a very top lab to do second postdoc so that's there are two step process so you this not end of it it's a gradual but you get there and there are many many people who have developed a cv like that so it's not yeah so there are ways if you reach out to the right people that you can you can put yourself in the situation where you're likely to publish correct correct yeah. um so another question that i just had like throughout your career i mean it sounds like you've been very driven the whole way through but were there any points on the roller coaster where you thought oh maybe this isn't for me <laughs> i might just <laughs> look for something a bit more steady or a bit more reliable yes actually i mean who doesn't everybody has these times in his life um so when i finished my postdoc uh, i was interviewing for um, for pi positions um and that time i had chance to interview in two pharma companies because they were nearby but when i learned through the process i realized that this is probably not for me um just not because they are not doing great science is because the independence was lesser the kind momentum i was seeking things are in my control i like what i do right mm -hmm. there you have to always wait for uh wait for kind of agreements with the several levels of decisions right so i did um then there had been opportunities when i felt i am not giving enough time for myself and this is often a problem in the academic career right mm -hmm. when you have a family you are not good for family you are not good for yourself because there's not just enough time you don't work 9 to 5 most of the day right so this this was okay for me because i have passion for it i don't take my job as a job um and when your job becomes your hobby you are no longer working 
So that's what happened with me. However, this this negative side effect of this is that your loved ones don't have not have enough time for you. So those times have kicked in sometimes. I have re-questioned myself whether there's a time to compromise, not making a high impact career, but go to a mid-level, but have some time for yourself, do this and that. So you have to come to that balance at some occasion. And I have recently tried to do that myself. I have uh, engaged my whole lab into a fitness program and myself also. For those who are here in my postdoc, they might be learning that I have asked each of them to do 10-15 minute fitness activity every day. And this is something I encourage because, you know, you need to have some balance in your life. Um, you can work hard, but take care of your loved ones, your body uh, as well. Mm. Yeah, that's nice. That's really important. I think I think most of us kind of almost fear the work-life balance that um, is sort of kind of traditionally associated with an academic career or more yeah. like the lack of life. So Correct. it's good yeah. to see that you can still fit in time for yourself and your family and enjoy the work. Yeah. Um, so one of the questions I was going to ask then as well, if if you you mentioned about your mentors and how important they were to you, mm-hmm. um, would if you can answer this, uh, what was the best advice you ever got from any of them, or do you have maybe a kind of general message you might have received from each of them or any of them? I think one thing was there were two things probably that was consistent from both of these leading people. You should only do it if you like it. Yeah. I was very, very clear. Uh, this was such a short summary I'm telling you. This was consistent message. See, academic career or any hype, if you go to become CEO of a bank or if you lead a pharma company, it's as stressful, probably more stressful because your salary is even not guaranteed. It depends on the profit you earn. So any high impact career will come with a lot of pressure. And you can sail through that pressure if you have passion for this because that will compensate for the stress. So this was a consistent message for them. If you like this joy of, of knowledge gain, distributing what you, discover, what you discover, what you invent, while handling this little bit of stress here and there, then this is the right profession. But the moment you feel clicks wrong, or something is wrong, you know, don't do it because then the reward is not that much. Mm-hmm. See how many of academics become famous, you know, <laughs> very few, right? So if you are working for fame or money, wrong beep, wrong profession. You have to be hungry for knowledge. You have to be hungry for discovery in academic career. So if you don't have that, that's the message that came from them. You see, if you don't feel enough for it, don't do it. And second thing that was consistently coming uh, is be open to criticism and develop yourself. Because if you stop having that process of taking criticism, improving and rewarding people, you drop out of development. So, yeah, and just and on that, what you're saying about enjoying it there, I know that um, as you progress through academia, you usually become more and more removed from the lab. So, okay. in a sense, you actually become a bit more removed from what's got you into academia in the first place. So, mm-hmm. how have you kind of maintained then your passion mm-hmm. and enthusiasm for what you're doing now? Like, is it still as exciting as it was 20 years ago when you started off? Or... Are there elements to what you do now that you prefer to what you were doing when you were at the postdoc level? So you are absolutely right. And this happens to many people who, as they grow up, they become more managers than actual scientists. So for me personally, this also comes as a responsibility uh, to the team members I have hired. So they have joined me to make a rewarding career. 
um, and if I don't give them enough time to see what they are doing, shape their projects, set their milestones, I am somehow not doing justice to them. If I hire and forget them or their projects, what's the point in this? So my personal way of this is that I always put my team, my research as a priority yeah? and I have fixed slots for this. Everything that comes around this has its priority too. That's how I organize my calendar. And this hopefully would not change in future uh, because this is what keeps me alive as a scientist. Otherwise, why am I doing here? <laughs> that's, that's great. Thank you so much, Vijay. It was a great talk. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you. Well, I would agree with Vijay. Setting goals, knowing where you want to go and planning accordingly is indeed essential to develop your career as fast as possible in any sector, not just academia. If you'd like to hear more from other academics about their journey, visit our website at go.qub.ac.uk slash podcastpdc for more episodes. Bye.